Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online, thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil, and find out. A Motorsport Podcast Network production. Hey everybody, welcome along. Great to have you with us. This is the V8 Salute Podcast, polished by Bowden's own premium car care, and we are on the road to Adelaide. Quite literally. Well, I'm not driving this year. I'm going to fly, but you know what I mean. Figure of speech. Will Dale, you know what I mean. I do. I'm not on the road to Adelaide in any way, or shape, or form. You're in the air. You're going to stay put. You're going to hold the fort down for us. I'll be in the Melbourne Bureau. <laughs> the Bureau? The V8 Salute. We're doing weather now. Yeah. Right. Um, the Bureau of Sleutherology. It's a thing. It's a thing. <laughs> hey, we wanted to do title deciders as our topic this weekend, uh, or this week, I should say, ahead of this weekend's Velo Adelaide 500. Supercars Championship for Repco is on the line. It is an outside chance for Shane Van Gisbergen, but it is a chance. So we have the title alive going into the last round. And I wanted to, I mean, we're going to step through some of the classic final rounds that they've been through supercars, Australian Touring Car Championship, Group C, Group A eras. There's been um, classics right throughout the course of the history of the championship. But what constitutes a classic title decider? Before we get into this, what are the prerequisites that tick the boxes for you on this? Well, for a start, there has to be more than one driver with a chance of winning the title. Okay, I'm taking I mean, that, that, that That's a very low bar to set. You have because, not started very high. <laughs> no. Um, they've got to, there's, they've actually got to be close-ish in points, I mm-hmm. feel, mm-hmm. It, to make it somewhat of a contest. Ideally, whichever driver finishes ahead is the one that wins the title. So I get the feeling heading to Adelaide with, what is it, 131 points between Brody Kostecki, Shane Van Gisbergen. There's mm. 300 available over the course of the two days. This doesn't have the mixture of a potential classic title decider, but it could as swing. history proves, yeah. it can swing on Saturday very, very quickly. Um, does it have to go to the last lap or to the last few laps to be a classic title decider? Uh, it doesn't, but that does help. Doesn't hurt. Yeah. Doesn't hurt. Does it have to be between drivers and teams who have rivalry? Oh, I think so because unless it's like a um, unless it's a two teammates who hate each other and one's leaving at the end of the year, mm-hmm. um, I I don't think there's quite the same level of spice. Does there need to be some form of crash, collision, or contact? Well, I think if you go through some of our the the classic title deciders we're going to go through over the More course of this podcast, there's something. There's at least one, maybe multiple. Is there anything else? Are they the things that pretty much float our boat on what makes a classic? Because I've got a list here. I've got, mm-hmm. without naming the years or events or who, what, when, where, why, how. And I can't see this list over the no, top of my laptop I've either. I've not told you about it. I've got nine. I've got nine that I would classify. A nice round number. They're not yes. all, well, they're not all what I would deem classic title deciders. Probably if I had to pick, there's four, five. Mm. There's a couple that stick in our minds that people talk about a fair bit, but were they actually classic title deciders, we can decide. That's a good point. Mm. Mm. So where do we start? I mean, do we do we simply look at the fact that we haven't done this for a while in terms of having a proper ring-a-ding-ding title decider? It surprised me just how far you have to go back at the moment to find a championship that was decided at the final round, never mind one that was good. Mm. You have to go all the way back to 2018 for Scott McLaughlin versus Shane Van Gisbergen, which ultimately um, a lot of the heat was taken out of that when Van Gisbergen copped that post-race penalty in race one that took it took the win away from him. Wasn't it from it being refueled when it was on the ground? Correct, yeah, yeah. And that was in the aftermath of the Saturday race. So mm. we were kind of potentially robbed of a classic title decider going into the Sunday. I'm not saying the penalty was wrong. The rules were the rules. It was pretty clear cut. Yeah, but if he kept those points, we go to Sunday with not much between he and Scott. Winner take all, Pretty much winner take all. So 2018 could 
have been a classic title decider. It doesn't qualify, I don't reckon, no. for the list. But since then, we've had the title wrapped up before the final round every time. So we got Shane Rogers, AN1 Data's own Shane Rogers, <laughs> to do some digging. So since the championship became a multi-round thing rather than a single race thing, so that's 1969 onwards, mm-hmm. including this year, 55 championships in that time. Yep. Of those, including this year, 31 have gone to the final round. Wow. So That's more than I would have expected. More than you would probably think, as you mentioned, this is the first time since 2018 that it's happened. So we've gone four years in a row, 19 to 22, where it's been done and dusted before the last round. You've got to go back to the 70s to get a streak of that many years in a row of it being done and dusted. And that's at a time when the championship in some years had some enduros, didn't have Bathurst in it in 76 and 77, mm. and it didn't have the exposure that it does now, that the Repco Supercars Championship has done now. In the broader sporting landscape, in the sport, because all the races now are part of the championship, so the championship is such a, a pivotal element. So are you surprised by those numbers? You I'm surprised like it's, it. I'm surprised it's that many. I would have thought maybe just under half, but that's... That's notably over half. Mm, Yeah, which is actually quite kind of impressive. But how about this one? Mm -hmm. Of the, um, I'm trying to read the note here. So as I get this right, because I don't want to cock this up. Wording is always very important with stats. Correct, correct. So of um, well, thirty, because I said of thirty-one, thirty-one. We haven't had the thirty-first yet. Correct. So of the 30 where it's been alive, how many times do you think that the driver leading's been overhauled and not won the championship? Oh, that is a good one. Uh, The notable ones that I'm thinking of are 17, but that wasn't the case because Win Cup led the points into that weekend. And And we're talking into the weekend, not the last race, which is a very important distinction. the other one that comes to mind in terms of a classic is 2010. But, again, James Courtney led into that race mm-hmm. weekend. So you haven't actually got any of the ones that uh, – No. How many? How no. Many? Of 30 times, how many times has the leader on points going into the last round been overhauled? Is it more than five? Nope. Oh, that's interesting. I can't think of them. I can't. Four. Is that you're all? close. You're, you're relatively close by trying to frame it in that yeah, yeah. point. So, do you want to know the times? I definitely do. And of these four, one is definitely a classic title decider. Mm-hmm. Another one is got flavour, mm-hmm. depending on who, what, when, where, and I'll explain why. So, of the four times that the championship points leader going into the last round didn't. Get the job done. I think I've just thought of one because I'm pretty sure I wrote a story on this which, in, in recent which one, days. Which one? 1983. Correct. Yes. I thought you might have yeah. got that one a bit yeah, earlier. Yeah, that one should have come to me sooner. So that was Lakeside, final round 83, George Fury title leader for Nissan. The Nissan team did not go mm. to the last round. Alan Moffat wins the championship. Unique rules. Um, you did a great story actually on it very recently on the website. Have a look at it if you haven't read it. In very simple terms, the Nissan was a class car that year and if you're a class car, you got weighted with higher points. So he went right throughout the course of the year leading. Nissan didn't go to the last round purely, well, the explanation was to focus on the endurance races, to build a new car, to build an extra turbo, to rebuild the other two cars. Wouldn't you have thought if you're a chance to win the Australian Touring Car Championship, and I know it's it didn't have the same high level of promotion and visibility on the sporting landscape. But surely if you were Nissan, find a couple of bucks, get George (laughs) Fury there, hopefully win the championship, and then crow till the cows come home that you've won the Australian Touring Car Championship because, quite frankly, who gives a stuff about the Australian Endurance Championship manufacturer's crown that you were defending that year? Exactly. I mean, you think about about how that final round played out. It ended up being on a damp and greasy track, which um, I'd – I'd be hard-pressed to think of a better driver than George Fury to be putting exactly. out there in those conditions. Exactly. Is that the one that Brock won he lapped the field? Yeah, he saw Greg Hansford in the second Alan Moffat RX-7 in the closing laps and thought, oh, I'm not sure if that's Alan or not. I better I better pass him. And, just yeah, he sure. was in second place. Just to be so, sure. Yeah. That's another topic about title deciders that we'll get to, extra cars getting added <laughs> to the mix, which yes. has happened before. So those four times, that's one of them. 
Mm-hmm. The other one was 78 at Adelaide International Raceway. Brock ah, led. Uh, right. Sorry. Um, Bob, Bob Morris. Morris led. Brock was challenging, got pole um, and got the job done. Mm. 83, as you mentioned, is the next one. 87 at Oran Park. I've forgotten Glenn led into Glenn that. Glenn led the points. Glenn Seaton coming into that round. Jim Richards, the title challenger, got the pole and the win and the championship. So, um, But this is how rare it is. The only time since 1987 was 2007. Wow. Because Jamie Winkup led going to Phillip Island before the three-race weekend. So that's the only round where it's been a multi-race weekend that's had that happen. So, of course, Garth got home by, what, two points mm. in that last race that had Todd Kelly not been able to stop Jamie Winkup from winning championship goes the other way. So there you go. Very, very rare that the driver chasing gets the chockies at the end of it. Not to say that it can't happen because history is no guide as to what's going to happen this weekend, but it's rare. So if Van Giesbergen can pull this off, it will be a really, really, really rare feat. Absolutely. I thought it was unusual that like he, um, if he does win the title, he'd be, it'd just be him and Moffat of the drivers to have not led the championship at any point prior to winning the championship at the final weekend. And that Moffat year was the 83 year because mm. he hadn't led the points. Fury with the greater weighting towards the – was under three litre? Under three litre, yeah. As, even so, though it had a turbo. Yeah. So, um, e- so even with the turbo equivalence factor, it still came in as an under three litre car. And they changed the rules for the next year. They sure did. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, when the race winner crosses the line and gets 25 points and the car that finishes second gets 27, mm. that's a bit weird. Yeah, I, I do love how a lot of our listeners and our sleuth followers say how things were so much better back in the day and that there's clowns <laughs> running the show today and the systems are screwed and everything's a disaster. Case in point there, it wasn't all flash back in the day just quietly, just quietly. Correct. So title deciders. So 78, Brock gets the job done, but 79 is one of my first title decider classics where Bob Morris stalks him during the race gets the move done and wins. Wins the championship for Ron Hodgson's privateer team up against the mighty Marlborough Holden dealer team. Um, And the thing is too, there's vision. I've seen the full Mm. race. It's really awesome. ABC telecast vision that's floating around in our files here. Um, That one goes down as a title decider that's a classic, probably because it's a little upset as well. Oh, for sure. I also like the idea that it's it's kind of a title decider in two acts because you've got the 78 title decider between Mm. the same two drivers where at the same place at the same place where morris tried to put a move on brock he he came across some slower they came across some slower traffic morris tried to make the move got it a bit wrong bounced off brock bounced off the slower car and ended up in the weeds and out of the race Mm. and then it's the resurrection it's the comeback it's the uh what's the word i'm looking for uh redemption arc 12 months later we love it it's yeah it's great for sports David, content. Yeah, David versus Goliath, the underdog versus the factory. It's it's a it's a fantastic story. It's pretty much the only thing that Brock didn't win in 79. He won the Repco <laughs> yes. uh, Reliability Trial around Australia, Sand and Enduro, Bathurst with Jim Richards by six laps. But the championship was um, the, the thing missing from that year's uh, mm. achievement list for the Holden Dealer team. But that was a classic. And I think it's always a classic when it's the title deciders one-on-one. So when you think about it, think about this year, Brody and Shane, Perth is a clear memory of hand-to-hand, yes. one-on-one combat, extreme UFC rules just about. <laughs> no steel cage, but they went right at it and pushed it to the limit. Not many other times this year they've been on the road in hand-to-hand combat. No, that is a very good point, which is a bit of a shame because in t- as as Wanneroo showed, they are two of the, probably the two best head-to-head, door-to-door races, races yeah. in on the grid. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, another of the one-on-ones that had an added flavour, 1981 Lakeside. Uh, because yes. you had one bloke in a Ford, one bloke in a Holden, one bloke who's the hometown hero, redemption story. Yes. A rock redemption story. <laughs> yeah. um, that had all, one-on-one, winner-take-all, cars barely separated throughout the course of the race, Dick gets the chockies. Crowd loses their mind. I think there's people still at Lakeside from the aftermath <laughs> yes. of the celebrations of that day. The vision is is fantastic. Does that qualify as a classic title decider? Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Dig. So we've got two on our list so far. Yes. And worth noting that Dick throughout the, bal- the bulk of that race was battling a mechanical issue with a broken sway bar. Mm. But as he always says, Brock didn't have him off. No. Which could have done a few times. Mm. He would not have been able to leave Lakeside Brock that day had he done that. But No, as popular as PB was, um, that would have been a very unpopular thing to yeah, have done. No, that's He true. came close on the last lap. They mm. ran through, I think, Hungry Corner, Hungry or um, under the Dunlop Bridge side by side. And it's something that I'm sure if you were there, that's a memorable thing to look back on in your mind. But- for the rest of us who weren't there, there's no TV coverage of that race. And that's the unbelievable shame. There is a little bit of vision of it floating mm. around that was run on. We get asked about this quite regularly mm. from um, V8 Sleuth followers who are looking for old races or want to see things. There was a Channel 7 piece. They did like an extended news report yeah, on that race. I think, it, I think it landed in their Queensland sports show the next week that Paddy Welsh used to do from right, my that memory makes off sense. the top of my head. But um that's a classic. 81 Lakeside, yep. Dick's first of five Australian Touring Car Championship wins. Every lap in under a minute means every second matters. Bosch Power Tools Perth Super Sprint, May 17 to 19. Book now at Tick Attack. Supercars unforgettable. Just read tracking too. It's it's before our eras, it's before seeing so much of it. But wasn't there an Oran Park, 71, 72, Jane Moffat? There sure was. Tyler Decider, I think that just about qualifies. Wasn't it the one where some guy got in a Valiant road car and went out and drove around in, on the track? Correct. Yeah. That is the one. <laughs> yep. <laughs> 71? Se- 71. Massive crowd at Oran Park that mm. day. For, for a long time, I think that was probably their record in terms of crowd attendance and they got it. They got quite the show. Got the show. I think that probably has to qualify as a classic title decider when I think so. a bloke goes on the road in a roadie <laughs> and just drives around and joins a race. It happened, guys. Go and look it up in the magazines of the period. It was a real thing. 87 Oran Park. Yeah, that's surely that's a classic. Well, you've got – and I wasn't around at the time to know, but I, you've got – I don't know what the rivalry was like between the JPS BMW team and the Peter Jackson Nissan team, but two brands of Siggies – Yes. Two opposite manufacturers of cars that weren't the hometown cars, as in Holden or Ford. Mm. Jim, the established pro, Glenn, the up-and-coming young bloke on the way. Um, there'd been – well, I think that the, the lead-up to this. So there's the extra car thing played into account. Mm. So late in that year's championship, Frank Gardner wheels out Ludwig Finau, their engine man, in a third car. Fred Gibson wheels out John Bow, who's joining them for the Enduros in a third car for Oran Park. But I think he lasted a lap and got shunted into anyway. Yeah. So every time in these title deciders that teams added third cars or extra cars in to try to steal points and just get among it under the auspices of getting ready for Bathurst and getting their eye in, which got to run quite a bit, <laughs> yes. it never really played into effect. No. All no. the times it happened. No. Um and it was funny, you look back at the photos from that race weekend and you look at the back of the JPS cars and the back of the and the back of the um, Skylines as well, and they've got the driver names on the back. So they knew which was which. Which apparently was an Alan Grice suggestion. Um, so that if he was dive bombing someone, he'd know, oh no, wait, that guy's in title contention. Maybe I better go a bit easy here. But if it said Finnair or Bow, stuff it. Off you go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jam it in. Yeah. Jam it in. Of course the Classic element to that. I think what adds to the classic qualification as a classic title decider is the the contact. It's the mm. but I think it's added to by the it's starting to rain. It's a little damp. I think it's part of it's the television coverage. Oh yeah, of, of the commentary, the storytelling of the storytelling that Mike and Wilco and those blokes they were very good at that stuff. It mm. didn't have the what we have with the modern commentary, which is very technical. That's very, which is awesome. Like the, the deep dive on that stuff's brilliant, but I think it's lost some of the storytelling that those guys were very heavy on. They were very light when it came to the tech um, <laughs> yes. and the insight into the driving and all that stuff. But I reckon it, and because at the time the championship was getting strong coverage, mm. it had Mike and Channel Seven pushing it so hard. So it added to this whole grand final at Oran Park, which they really did build up there. Mm. Um, 
because I think the first one was 85 from memory. Yes. So from 85 to 97, Oran Park – or 98. 98, yeah. Oran Park hosted the last round of the championship. So then you get the contact where Jim goes down the inside, boom, hits the side of the skyline, Glenn has the big slide, catches it all. A lot of people forget that the turbo blew on the skyline a short time after. A couple after, of anyway. after, yeah. So it wasn't the hit from Jim that he took him out to win. No. But and that's wasn't the bit that forgets. And that's the other thing. wasn't intentional. wasn't calculated. It was, well, there's a gap there. I'm throwing this M3 into it. And then the gap closed. I'd be really interested, and we have joked about this in the office, if we took some of these classic <laughs> contacts, crashes, collisions, yeah. hits, and sat there with Craig Baird and got him to adjudicate to the current <laughs> rules, I'd be interested to know what it would do to results. I feel like Jim probably Jim would cop a penalty for that, but he'd still win the title anyway, purely with Glenn retiring. It's a podcast step just for oh, yeah. isn't it? Totally agreed. So we, we agree, 87 Oran Park tick. Yep. It's a classic title decider. Didn't go down to the final lap. No, didn't. But, but everything but else moment, is satisfied. Well, the other thing I think that makes t- classic title deciders is when there's just there's a moment or moments yep. that people have stuck in their brain. Totally. And people remember the Seton Richards contact at Oran Park in 87. Yep. Totally agreed. The Game 7 moment that NASCAR tried to engineer by developing the playoffs. Correct. Which I do like the way they try to do that stuff, but I think they've gone way too far. But that's a whole other topic for another day. It is. Title decider that on paper looked to be a really good possibility but fizzed. Is it? Are we going 1990? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this should have been a cracker. Yeah. Four drivers go in yeah. in realistic contention. Jim Richards, Dick Johnson, Peter Brock, Colin Bond, four of the absolute legends of the game. Yep. All former champions, all Bathurst winners, icons, all Hall of Famers, but there's a problem. Is it the problem that Dick, PB and Bondy all showed up with very sharp knives and Jim turned up with a machine gun? Correct. Otherwise known as a Nissan GTR, which by that stage the GDR wasn't rocket-proof, bullet-proof. No. But it was fast, mm. really fast. So basically I think Brock made a bet with him that he paid on the podium, didn't he, <laughs> where he, he bet him 10 bucks or something, he'd get to the first corner first. The worst bet you could make in a rear-wheel drive Sierra against a four-wheel drive Nissan GDR. Basically Jim launches, Jim leads, Jim wins. Exactly. No one else lays a glove on him. So I'm putting that down in the could have been a classic title decider but ultimately wasn't. It's interesting to note that Jim lapped Mark Scaife in the older model HR31 Skyline just before the finish. If Jim had have been in that other Skyline, we would have had a much more interesting finale, I feel. Just a little bit. Mm. Yeah, it's the four-way that fizzed. Yeah. It's probably the best way to describe 1990. So I'm putting a cross next to that in my list here of memorable title deciders that qualify as classic Title deciders. I think most of our listeners would probably agree with that one. Yeah. Unless you're a Nissan fan and you thought it was awesome. I think you've got to wait five more years to get a classic title decider possibility. Mm. But I'm not counting it because I don't feel that people really remember it strongly. So 95. Yep. John Bow's pathway to the championship is unbelievable. The Kobe earthquake in Japan flattens the Dunlop factory. They're scraping tyres together. Dick's basically sacrificing his own year to help Bow. Get to the final round. It's Bow, Brock and Seaton who are, I think, in that order from memory in the points or there or thereabouts. Something like that. JB smashes them, basically smashes them. HRT secretly wheel out a brand-new car for Brock. Mm. They tell no one. They make no fuss about it. They don't let it be reported. They quietly test it at Amaru Park because you could do that stuff before then. Yeah, yeah. And I think there was contact between he and Steve Johnson in the dash. I think it was him and Dick in the dash. Yeah. Because there was a bit of festering going on in the lead up where Dick had copped a bit of a spray after Perth where Brock wasn't happy with his driving. I think Glenn was the same. The speed hump comment had been earlier in the year. So we had all these elements coming together. Mm. For the final round where these three blokes have all had some scraps and verbals during the year are about to get it on and and Bow's in that mix as well. But then you add in – Seton adds another car for Alan Grice. Yep. 
Johnson adds another car for Stephen Johnson, which is the same as what he did the previous year. Mm-hmm. So it was the digital Falcon, you might remember. Not the Fuddruckers car. Not the car. Fuddruckers car. That was yeah. the previous year. But basically, Bow smashes them. Yeah, he just walked off in race one and that was that. Yeah. And Brock's car was bent from that collision earlier on. He was not a factor. Mm. Glenn was kind of the bridesmaid, finished second in the points, I think. Brock ended up third. It had all the elements. It While well, the recipe looked good, but when it was time to cook it up, clearly JB's only championship win in, in V8, the Australian Touring Car Championship. Mm-hmm. So it's an important milestone win. It was a tough year. There aren't too many other titles have been won on tyres that were pulled out of the rubble of a factory Correct. after an earthquake. And it was the first time DJR had won the championship with someone other than Dick driving. Yeah. So it's an historic team, but I don't feel it qualifies that weekend. as it, it's, it's like 1990. It had items. Had potential. That, it had good potential. Yeah, yeah. It just didn't cook out. I feel like JB definitely remembers the kiss from Dick Johnson after the race, though. Got to get some love somehow. Yeah, true. Got to get some love One thing that I think would have improved that recipe, though, and I know we just talked about the fact that adding extra cars didn't really make much of a difference. If HRT had added a third car with one Craig Lowndes in it for that weekend... Yeah, I never, I never remember that being reported or mooted or. No, I don't think it was anyway. ever. I don't think it was ever a thing. But imagine if that had have been that cat had been thrown among those pigeons. Well, they were outnumbered, weren't they? Yeah. So, and the funny thing is, the next year that when they weren't, the title wasn't on the line. Mm. Lance had it done. They were intending to run Tomas yes. Mesera in the third car at uh, Oran Park. He was entered. I think it was car 16 from memory. Yeah, right. It's on the entry list somewhere for that hmm. round. But because Lowndes's, uh, you know, the supercar, the new car, was damaged at Malala, that meant he had to go back to the old car, no spare car left for Thomas. So hmm. that idea is is um, done and dusted. So we've got a bit of a lull here before I get another classic title decider from the calendar. Hmm. And I think there's a really important reason why. So there were some years there where Bathurst was the last round of the championship. The championship was alive going into Bathurst. Asterisk. But Mm. because it was Bathurst and there was no change in the leader winning the title, Bathurst has overshadowed completely the possibilities of what could have happened at those events. Craig Lenz seals it in 99 by finishing second. Um, Mark Scaife seals it in 2000 despite the hiccup with Matt Neal and Neil Crompton and potential drama and Garth Tander, the title challenger, winning, winning the race, race which yeah. was the bit he had to do. But being Bathurst, it overshadowed the championship battle. Oh, totally. So it would have taken Tander winning the race, Scaife limping around trying to get to position wherever and failing for it to be a memorable, memorable title fight. So I feel like... Those couple of years where Bathurst was the last round just was never going to stand a chance no. of getting ever on this list. And you, it was kind. Of, and why I said asterisk a few moments ago, like you look at that '99 race with five drivers in mathematical contention, it's kind of a false economy because the marquee races that year were all worth double points. Mm. So instead of the, I think that year it was a maximum three hundred points instead of one fifty. All of a sudden, you've got all these other drivers that are kind of in contention, but also kind of not. It would be like us going to Adelaide this weekend with it being a 600-point weekend or something like that, and it would bring more mathematical contention. Look, any time you have to use the term mathematical (laughs) contention- It's a real red flag, isn't it? Pretty much is telling you they're not going to win or that we're trying to beat it up or that we're trying to- go a bit beyond um, the reality (laughs) of the situation. So unsurprisingly- the next classic title decider. So, by the way, so far we've looked at six. Hmm. We've got four ticks here. 71 Oran Park, we're counting. Mm-hmm. 79 AIR, 81 Lakeside and 87 Oran Park. Yep. They're classic Solid title gold. deciders. Take if I'm doing bank. a TV show of classic title deciders, they're in. Yep. I think you've got to wait till 2006 before you get the next one. Yeah, and I think that's fair. We don't fair. probably need to explain all the reasons why, but <laughs> I think it's pretty clear that we had all the elements that we wanted. Went to the last race. Yeah, sure Tick. did. They were equal. They were tied, weren't Rick they? Yeah. Kelly, Craig Lance into the last race yep. were tied on points. It literally was who finished in front won the title. Yeah. And um, it wasn't Craig. No. Contact and crash. I'm going back to my little menu item from earlier. <laughs> yes. 
um, drivers and team rivalry. Yes. yes. Yeah. Remember that there was the ill will leading up to that round after HRT and HSV dealer team had done their swaps for Bathurst and trying to protect the Toll Blokes Championships and that all blew up. It worked for one of them. Didn't work for, for Garth Rick, Tander. Didn't work for Garth. Then you had the Walkinshaw Racing Group against Triple Eight. Mm. So you had, and of course, this is Triple Eight who've come off getting pipped at the post the previous year. Yes. So in circumstances they were not pleased about. Campbell Little was not happy. No. Judging by the quote on the broadcast, did you get fined for that? I'm pretty sure he did. Yeah. So I mean, when th- you say in the, the live broadcast they've clearly got the result they wanted, <laughs> you're yes. probably going to cop a Imagine bit of a slap. If you said that today. That'd be. I reckon Whoa. you'd get done even bigger for that. It's a long weekend. So 2006 Phillip Island. It became a um, four cars onto two. Mm. Toll and HRT against the better Triple Eight cars, or the uh, Lenowns and Lewin Cup, or whatever they were. Um, <laughs> yes, the Vodafone warm-up cars. Yeah, for, for that year. Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil and find out. The the simple fact remains, and I've said this a million times and I'll say it again, the world has a common perception that Rick Kelly got away with what happened there and that he wasn't penalised. He was penalised. He got a drive-through penalty. The issue was that Craig's car was... Yeah. Splayed out, burning through tyres every four laps. So, as a result of getting hit by, hit by Will Davison, Davison when, yeah. when Craig was stranded and moved, and then bang, Will mm. drilled him. So, it ticks all the boxes because you know, I think of all of them, it's going to stand out above and win. If we have to pick all of these and pick a number one, for me, that has all the elements, and the fact that people still get fired up about it. They, this is 2006, mate. This is <laughs> yeah. 17 years ago. Yeah. yeah, Rick Kelly's not in the sport anymore. Craig is no longer full-time racing. But you you, you write about this, you post this, you talk to people about this. Yeah, they people have long memories. They still get lit. Yeah. So to me, classic title decider. Oh, and for might sure. be the classic of all classics. I reckon there's one coming up that might trump it. But, yep, I reckon it's definitely a contender. I was there that day. Hmm. There was real. It was messy. It oh was no nasty. doubt. Yeah. There was there was booing. There was no social media at the time. Thank goodness. Oh, could you imagine? I mean, I remember seeing there was a video some guy in New Zealand posted that he went and got in Rick's face the next year at the Pookie round at an autograph signing, oh, and it was just uh, like it was. That's not it was ordinary. That's and not look, Rick's okay. had to deal with that for a very long time. And I think he's been maligned unfairly. Yeah. There was a minor like I don't think he did not try to take out Craig Lowndes to win the no. championship. No, not it for was a, a moment. racing incident. Yeah. Was the lightest of touches. Don't forget it actually put Craig into Todd. Kelly, I was gonna say took his brother out. Yeah. Rick's not trying to take his brother out. No. So anyone like the thing was, if that was round three, round five, round eight. Earlier in the year, it has the same impact on the championship point score. Yeah. But no one would look at it the same way. No. When, when it's in that final race, the spotlight is is shone pretty brightly there. For sure. We'll add this one to the um, podcast with Beardo. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah, that's well, I don't think much changes there. I think the the same penalty yeah. would, would have applied. Yeah. But then there was all the aftermath, there was the appeals, mm. there was the we're gonna carry this on. And in the end, um, it didn't go anywhere and, and Rick was declared the champion. And the, uh, the frost sort of cleared a little bit on it, but it was very frosty there for a long time, a mm. long time. So that's a tick. Yep. Classic title of the cider. 2006, Phillip Island. I think it was the Big Pond Grand Finale. From Sounds about right. Off the top of my head. I do remember it was very – was that you remember previously? Because we had the final round at Phillip Island for three years in a row, mm. one of those years was really warm. I reckon it was that one because that was a year where there were a few bushfires yeah, around as well and it was really Correct. hazy was very on the hazy. Friday. If you look at all, lots of the photos from that event, it's very hazy. Mm. And, and that, yeah, you're right. That's exactly why. Also worth noting when talking about teammates that we talk about all the 
Walkinshaw group cars ganging up on Craig, no, no Jamie in the equation because he'd gone off with Jason, Jason Richards, Richards turn, turn one, one lap race one. one. Yeah. yeah, race one. Well, was it, it, Garth got pinged, didn't he? Ah, in the yes. first race on Saturday for excessive blocking. <laughs> like they, they <laughs> yeah. absolutely blocked Craig and tried to have him off. Or mm. not have him off but just but, not let him get by. Yeah. And they went well beyond the, the code. So, um, yeah, it, it got it got interesting. Fast forward to 2007. It's on mm. my list here because you've got the same teams fighting for the championship but you've swapped the actors. Yes. It's Tander and Lowndes that are – I'm sorry, Tander and Winkup instead of Lowndes and Rick Kelly who are fighting for the championship. Because there wasn't a – um, collision, contact, a focal point to that weekend. I think 07 still qualifies as a classic title decider, but it doesn't have the same juge as 06 because of that. But it did go to the last race with Todd Kelly, again, sort of in play here. <laughs> and his last race for the whole yeah, racing too. team too. Leading the way, um, Rick Kelly, I think, was... Yeah, Rick was in among it in as among well. It. I feel like um, Scafey was at one point as well in yeah, Car 200. Once it got to the last race, yeah. it was Todd, um, Jamie, Garth, Garth, Craig. Yeah. And a couple of laps to go, Craig rattles Garth and gets a run and gets by. And I think prompts the Garth radio line of, oh, he's a cheeky little bloke, or something, like, yeah. something along those lines. He was holding back on the being pissed off out of mm. it because fourth was still good enough provided Jamie didn't pass Todd yes. to win the race. So Matt Teco-Nielsen's cancelling Garth, we're fine, we're fine, where we are is fine, we can still win it. But, of course, it's Winkup who's second but just can't quite get to Todd mm. to be able to pass him because the points he gets for that, winning the championship. Comfortably, yeah. So I feel like that ticks the box. It went to the last lap, absolutely. Yep. Um Rivalries there between those teams, Tanner and Winkup, former teammates. Not that that really played a part in the the rivalry, but yeah. it was just an added element. Um, no big contact, crash, collision type scenario, but it was an overhauling where Garth, I think, he qualified lowish on Saturday. Remember the three race format: mm. one race Saturday, two races Sunday. Progressive grid, not separate qualifyings like we have now. So Garth goes from, I think, seventh, seventh or something. correct, yeah. And wins on Saturday. Mm. And doesn't that get him the points lead at that point? I think it gets him very close. It ties them. It, it tied, tied them after Saturday. Yeah. That's right. And there was two to come Sunday and then he got the job done to, to get it done. So mm. I feel that's a classic. It's right on the fringe for me, but I think it passes the test. I think so too. But it is, to your point earlier, there's no one moment that you can point back to in that race of an iconic, memorable thing. There was a lot of really good, intense, close racing, a bit of bumping. So that's kind of like Lakeside 81 and AIR 79? Yeah. Mm. Just that it played out over three races. Exactly, yeah. In a, in a weekend. Fantastic so. title decider, but there's no one clear moment that's that's the one. Yeah. But I don't think there has to be for it to count. Oh, no. No, no, no. It's still a classic. All those elements that we just discussed- yeah. Baked together into a cake that is worthy of tastiness of classic title deciders. Totally agree. I'm getting a lot of food and baking and <laughs> cooking references. In Settle today. down, Corey State. I, I am definitely, yeah, oh, he'll be thrilled by that. <laughs> Long-time listener loves his food. 2010. Well, I mean, this is on the list. Sydney Olympic Park is a must. James Courtney wins the championship. The story is well told. In fact, it's a nice little segue to plug an upcoming episode or two of the podcast because we've spoken to James Courtney. Mm-hmm. Earlier this year, I spent some time with JC, of course, 2010, and that Sydney Olympic Park Championship win comes up. Uh, was it last year I spoke to Charlie Schwerkol? Yep. Spent some time with Charlie. I think so, yeah. Uh, we've heard from – have we talked to Dick about this? We've talked to Dick on the pod a few times, but – I don't know if I'm we not have. sure we quite no. delved into this topic because there's so much to talk about with DJ. But we're starting to add together – all of the components mm. of the people involved in that. And the next one's Scott Sinclair, the yes. race engineer of Car 18 that won the championship. Next week, first part of a two-parter with Scotty Sinclair. He's been out of the sport for a couple of years now. Great insight, great look back, and a great dive into that DJR championship winning period and, and what led up to it. And there's some mm. really interesting behind-the-scenes stuff that he unveils that I haven't heard before. 
of um, what was going on at the workshop, some of the, the tension with James and the what was going on in the team. It's really interesting, really interesting. But 2010 has the focal point mm-hmm. of the they're all in the fence. Yep. Then there's the repair job. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the race the, within the, the race. car that actually, as Scotty says on the podcast next week, it broke driving <laughs> around, which <laughs> I don't think he twigged at the time, but the thing actually broke while he was limping Jeez. around on that last lap. But then the element that sort of is a little strange in all this that I haven't really pondered before until we thought about this episode, it fizzed on the Sunday. Yeah. It all was in – it wasn't decided on the Saturday from a point score perspective, but it lives in our brains, and I think it's going to be one of those things that gets bigger as the years go by, mm. was all of the elements and then you had the background with Dick and Charlie not speaking and the team having traumas and everyone probably needing to find a job because it was all up in the air. Um, fighting Triple Eight. Adrian Burgess is going to Triple Eight the next year. He's Triple, just trying yeah. to keep his mob together to get the job done. Triple Eight had built those cars that those DJ chassis, was yeah. using. The Jim Beam Falcons were, were Triple Eight built cars. Then you have, and as Scott says in the podcast that you'll hear in the next week or so, the Sunday was a bit of a, he said, not enjoyable. Not enjoyable. Understandably it just so. Was you'd be te- really tense. You'd be so stressed they because you've got the advantage. So straight. They, mm. they, they went too, too careful. Mm. Um, and I think he finished, what, 14th or something and a bump yeah. front. And, oh, yeah, it was was not the way you'd want to win a championship, but the job got done and that's what mattered. But 2010 Sydney Olympic Park, for everything that happened in that Saturday in that 20-odd minute period, and everyone forgets the Jonathan Webb win at basically 500 to 1. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. There were so many other elements of uniqueness that that's a bit like 07 but it had a bigger focal point, but it wasn't one single moment. It was a period of that Saturday afternoon, the drama of the weather, mm. the rain, the black sky, all the three title contenders being in the fence, pile, pile, pile of plus of others, <laughs> plus, a, plus pile a pile of, of others, others is what I was yeah. trying to say. Um, and that's probably another. I think we've, I don't think we need to justify this oh, anymore. Absolutely. If anything, Mark Winterbottom often gets forgotten about as being a title contender in that in that list. Like everyone remembers, oh, they're all in the fence. Yeah, all three of them, because Winterbottom was admittedly an outside shot for the title. But if he made it through there. Oh, we could have had a Sunday ring-a-ding-dinger. Yeah. But the problem was there, from my memory, they left his car out in the lane to repair. Yeah. Where you're limited on how many people you can have on it. The other two teams threw their car straight in the garage Mm. and threw as many people that could get their hands on them as getting into it. So whether that was... Whether that would change the game for FPR, I don't know. We'd have to ask them one day. But 2010 Sydney, tick. Yep. So I'm now at seven of the ones that I've got on my list here. I've only got one left. Well, this To me, this is the one that I feel is the only one that can rival 06 well, to take the cake. Looking through the years between 2010 onwards, it can only be 2017. Correct, Wade. Yep. Okay. I'm going back to the list here. Mm-hmm. Does it go to the last lap? Yeah. Damn yeah, straight. Absolutely. It goes beyond the last <laughs> lap, if any. Yeah. Um, drivers, rivalry, teams and rivalry. Tick. Triple Eight and Penske. By Tick. that stage, it's it's on. Is there contact crash incident? Now, there are a few. Not between the title contenders. No, but, but there are a few. That between, it. Yeah. So there's the McLaughlin Lowndes thing, which is the, the yes. probably the number one one. Of course, he had some drama earlier in the day with Simona Di Silvestro and a pit lane speeding thing that seems um, Seem, always seemed weird. Yeah, I, I think there's proof that that wasn't right. I think there's some proof floating around that that wasn't right. Um, but it qualifies. Oh, totally. So we have the heartbreakingly close win for Scott mm-hmm. who basically has everything go Let's rewind actually. Yes. So I remember standing there watching the podium on Saturday mm. in Newcastle. So it's McLaughlin and Coulthard, yes. the two Shelby Power Pilots, one and two. One and two. And that, locked up the team's championship that yeah, day. Yeah, they did. That, they had the look, that team had the look that day of a team that had won the championship. Mm. And I can't, I remember it vividly. That was my feeling. When there's a day to go, this ain't done. But the, if you just, if you didn't know what day it was, 
the celebrations looked and smelt like a championship win because they were almost there. They were almost there considering that Scott had started that day behind Jamie Wincup in points and then on lap one, Jamie goes for a gap between Michael Caruso and the wall Mm. that ceases to be a gap. On lap one? On lap one. Mm. I think on the exit of turn three on the run. On that run down the water. Um, And then loses 13 laps getting the car repaired, finishes 21st. Scott wins. Scott wins. That is a massive swing in points. All of a sudden, Scott just needs 11th the next day. So what was the margin going in Sunday? Going in Sunday, the margin was 78 points. With 150 on the line. With 150 on the line. 78. Simona Di Silvestro's number. It was. Enough. Yeah, that's ironic, isn't it? Yeah. There's, there's something in that. So not there, but a fair chunk of the way there. Yeah. A, a healthy chunk. a healthy margin so in at essence, that point. The margin of what was on the table is about what the margin is versus what's on the table now going to Adelaide. About half. Yeah. Roughly half of what's available. So history shows it all goes wrong for Scott on Sunday. Jamie does what he has to do to win the race. With a bit of help from Shane. With a bit of help from Shane. What did Shane do? Got out of the way. That's right, he did too. And then obviously Scott's back in the pack desperately fighting he clears Moffat to get him to where he needs to get to. Well, you, you cycle back a bit. His his attempted pass on Simona was for 11th place. Yeah. That would have been enough. And yeah. then the contact him dropped back him back again. After the penalty. Yeah. So he's had to fight back again and gets the spot down in that horseshoe hairpin yep. that everyone goes bananas. But, of course, Lowndes is on fresher tyres that Triple Eight have kind of got him in the game there. Mm. And then it all unfolds and turns to Mark heading up the hill because Scotty gets a bad run, gets a bit sideways. Well, he missed the apex. Yeah. He, he was miles away from it. And then, you know, all hell breaks loose as they go up the hill and he moves across and Craig's in the wall. It's got the same spice as 06 in terms of fans got vitriolic about it, which means they're passionate, which mm-hmm. means they care. They still get that way, just like 06. Yep. Um, went to the last lap, teams with rivalry, tick, 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 contact crashing, tick. Post-race penalty yeah. is the bit that 17 has that 06 didn't have. So that added, uh, what's the, added twist to it all hmm. um, that we didn't have in 06 penalty in race and kind of the rest of that race was just, Playing it out, yeah, really. Whereas this one went all the way yeah. and beyond the finish line. So, if you wrote the script, they'd just laugh. Oh they'd yeah, laugh at you for that. Especially when you add the fact that the champion, the eventual championship winner, did a backflip off a boat into the harbour. Yeah, I don't think that water's too flash for jumping off into just quietly. Better than the fountain that he swam in. Oh, you know, that, that's what I was thinking <laughs> yeah. of. The fountain yeah. was the water that wasn't that flash. Yeah, if anything, jumping into the harbour would have cleaned all that yeah, off. Probably not a bad idea. Just pour a couple of Red Bulls on yourself. You'll yeah. be totally fine. Oh, sorry. Sculled a beer, then did a backflip off the boat. He did too. I think yeah. it's on YouTube somewhere. Yeah. Um, there's a challenge for uh, whoever wins the championship this weekend. So here's the thing too. What's Shane going to do if he does win the championship? How does he top last year? Oh, it's going to be hard, I isn't it? I get the feeling that he's – I I sadly get the feeling if he was to win the championship, he'd just go, yeah, cheers, thanks, I'm on my way. Yeah. I guess last year he also had time to plan for it. He did. But yeah. – I think right now he's planning his flights and his new house and his American world. That's he does have planning. something cool to look forward to. He does. But I, I do hope that he goes out in – style and appreciates um, what being in supercars has done for his career. I'm sure he will. I'm sure oh, I he, hope does. he does. I hope he does. I hope it's a, um, a successful send-off because um, I know he's not had an enjoyable year. We know it's not a secret, but I'd like to think that he goes out the right way. At the end of the day, he likes winning races. Oh, I'm, not, so. I'm not saying he has to win the championship, but I mean that he approaches it in the right way. I yeah. think that's very important to how it um, how it all unfolds. So of our classic title deciders, Will, I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight contenders here. Mm-hmm. What is your all-time favourite of the classic title deciders? See, I'm biased towards 17 because I was there and that that's what gives my bias, the fact that I was working as a journalist in the middle of all that the entire weekend. Um for mine, it makes it very hard for me to look past that year. I can see 06 and all the storylines around it being being huge as well. 
but for mine, 17 is hard to beat. I was at both of those. I was at o- Phillip Island in 07 and Sydney in 2010. It's neck and neck Phillip Island 06 and, and Newcastle mm. 17. It's it's just about a dead heat for me. Yeah. But I reckon I'd have to go 06. Maybe That's because fair. it's it's just a little bit further back in the memory bank and there's more elements to it that I can think of. But what was that peak period as well of yeah, like that awesome. boom period of V8 supercars where the manufacturer rivalry, rivalry was still so intense? And they were spending plenty of money. We were mm. coming to the end of the Channel 10 era at yep. that point, which about to go to Channel 7. So, yeah, it was there was lots of buoyancy mm. in the game. And, of course, we just come off Peter Brock dying a couple of months before that, yep. the emotion of the big Bathurst. So that kind of was a wave that crest, that rode through the rest of that season with the attention that was on V8 supercars and the championship at the time. So, yeah, there's some absolute classic ring-a-ding-dingers in there. There's a couple that could have been that weren't quite um, making it and some unique history there. And I reckon there's a few that some people might argue were worthy of mention or being on the list or considered for the list, but I think they're a pretty hard bunch to be able to, to overlook. Fingers crossed we get an absolute barn burner of a title decider this weekend, whether it's something weird happens on Saturday to just tighten it all up going into Sunday and we don't have a dead rubber. Remember that Adelaide's had, you know, in Grand Prix era, a couple of classic championship deciders there oh, yeah. over time, which, I mean, two are probably the ones that spring to mind. <laughs> yes. 86, Mansell blows the tie, Pross wins a race. 94, Schumacher turns in a hill. Race is kind of done. Yeah. yeah, it was, but it's a classic one that people – uh, really do remember. So hopefully Adelaide can add another chapter to its amazing history of deciding uh, championship wins. We're going to be there. We've got our uh, our guys, Conor O'Brien, Stefan Bartholomeus on the ground. I'm going to be in the SED radio commentary box with James Moffat for this weekend as well. That's going to be a whole pile of fun. Um, Will's running the VH Sleuth Bureau. Um, oh, I'll be at it. I don't know about running oh, it. Oh, you'll be running it. Yeah, yeah I'll, running I'll be it. watching. Mate, I'll be you're watching. Home, you're, uh, you're running the show. Yeah. You're running the show. <laughs> uh, Monday after the Vela Adelaide 500, Craig Baird's going to be back with me for another episode of the VH Sleuth Race Control. So we're going to step through penalties, why, how, why not, mm. um, in among all of that. Great feedback from our Gold Coast episode. So we're going to do that with Beardo again after the 500 in Adelaide. Tuesday, Castrol Motorsport News Podcast with itself and Stefano. We'll go through it all and pick it all apart with the best insight and analysis in the game. And next Wednesday, Scotty Sinclair joins me on the V8 Salute Podcast to sit down and chat about all sorts of stuff. How we got into the sport, it's time at DJR, Walkinshaw Racing HRT, Nissan and the Kellys and what he's up to now. It's really interesting. I think you'll really enjoy it. You done? We're done? I think we are. I think we've this title's been decided. We've yeah. decided a title each. Uh, yeah. You take one, I take one, and, <laughs> and we're done. Hey, everyone, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Uh, enjoy the final round of the Repco Supercars Championship this weekend. Vailo Adelaide 500. If you're at the track, come up and say day. If you're not, send us an email. Tell us what you think about it all. We'll be back next week with another episode of the V8 Salute Podcast, polished by Howden's own. Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online, thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil, and find out.